Hey guys, welcome to another episode of MC Anime. MC here, and I have a s- interesting friend, special guest, Nat. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. So before we get into the topic is and who Nat is and all that stuff, you can go to the podcast near you, for like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, and, ex- and more podcast directories. Uh, you can also follow us in Sammy Podcast at www.mcanimepodcast.com and join us on the Patreon community for support and love and share of fan-based culture in MC Anime Podcast. Further ado, this particular episode of MC Anime Podcast is the hospitality industry and how it is vital and not the special guest specifically for the topic and we've been discussed how the hospitality industry works operates in the four segments and overall how to dilute what is travel and how it impacts you in the day-to-day operation like vacation and other amenities or trips necessarily further ado can you tell us a little bit about yourself matt what you do where we can find you on social media and what overall what do you like well, first off, for a trade, I am a political consultant, and that means I, I travel from county to county, state to state, and sometimes that involves staying in, in hotels and whatnot. For social media, I can be found primarily on Twitter and Facebook, and also Truth Social. Okay. So, uh, he hit the nail around the coffin. He travels a lot. So his travel experience is why he's here. He's going to give some input for the, the hospitality industry. Explain the you know, the vitalness of it. Why it's needed. He's going to provide personal experience of that. And we're going to also dive into the four segments of hospitality industry. Which is food and beverage, travel and tourism, recreation and lodging. All four aspects of that is vital. So let's first start with everyone's favorite pastime, food and beverage. What do you like about food and beverage? Well, first off, everybody's got to eat. And I've had some really good experiences with it when traveling. I've had some really bad experiences with it and a whole lot of experiences in between. Okay. So... Typically, the food you eat when you go travel, let's, let's explain some of that. So, the international travel, let's do that first. Well, when I travel overseas, I tend to want to eat like a local because, for example, in Ecuador, you can get guinea pig readily there. You can't just walk to the Publix and, and get you a pound or two of guinea pig. And uh, I tried it over there. I like it. They fry it up like uh, chicken, and it tastes very similar. And uh, I never would have been able to say that unless I uh, unless I tried it. When you're in Ecuador, get yourself some guinea pig. That's all I gotta say. What does guinea pig taste like? Guinea pig, it, it's it's more or less a a white meat. It, if you've ever had squirrel, it tastes most similar to that. But well, I heard squirrel is really good to eat. So. I do hear people, you know, talk. You should eat the squirrel, eat the rodents. They have good meat. Now, there's not much meat, but there's enough to make a meal out of it. I think guinea pigs, guinea pigs are, are a lot meatier than the uh, than the smaller rodents. True. And uh, I, I had a good sized portion on my on my plate in the town of Atuntaki, Ecuador, which yeah. is uh, uh, about fifty miles north of Quito. True, and you know this is not China where they eat dogs and cats. So there's not your family pet. Yes, guinea pig can be a family pet. They're also a rodent type species that can live in the wild too. Mm-hmm. So just as much as you get in the, this is the feeling of pet galore and cuisine. Just know we're not China, so don't worry about that. It's mainly the Koreans these days that, that, that do that. What, dog and cat? <laughs> yeah, that that's it. But they're doing it less and less as, as it becomes more westernized. I mean, true, I guess. 
So, like, what's some of the restaurants that you think... What's a good... What's just taught with the restaurant hospitality? What's expected in a restaurant? And how do the people, the staff in the restaurant achieve the satisfaction of the you as a customer eating there? Well, that, that part is uh, common just about any, anywhere you go in the world. The restaurant's object is to uh, produce the best food and charge a reasonable price so that they can get more clientele in there and be able to uh, pay their uh, monthly bills and uh, be able to serve more people and hopefully open uh, more branches of the restaurant. Okay, so if they open more branches of the restaurant, we talk about like family-owned chains kind of thing. Family-owned regional chains like this one in Ecuador. It's uh, El Bracero, mm-hmm. and it's a it's it's not guinea pig. They it's <laughs> a uh, it's a uh, it's a barbecue chicken mm-hmm. chain. It's all over central Ecuador, including Quito. Okay, so where do you feel the areas of restaurants? Where it gets really pricey. Well, it gets really pricey. A lot of times, the size of the portion go goes down. So you're paying a whole lot of money. A lot of these snooty places where they cook their tomatoes and they don't cook their green beans. You got a little bitty portion of food, and you're paying like fifty dollars for it, and you go home hungry. I don't see any. Oh, I don't see any value in that. Oh, okay. So, things like uh, Gordon Ramsay or, you know, famous chefs you wouldn't want to go to because the price is so bad that you don't know what to do with it. Not necessarily. It depends on what type of uh, cuisine is, is offered. I mean, restaurants will charge more if they have oh, a famous chef, but uh, I'm talking about these Nouvelle Cuisine places mm-hmm. where you uh, where you have to pay a lot for a pittance on the plate. Okay, okay. So we talked about some food aspect. Let's go to beverage. So this beverage is, you know, not just restaurants, you have the, like the cafes, you have the drink stands, uh, you know, another thing could be the parlors where you get desserts, the ice cream shots, stuff like that. What was a good beverage that you think is good? Well, generally when I go, when I go to a, uh, a regular restaurant around here in Mechanicsville, I'll, I just get water to drink because they don't have anything special in the way of beverage. I mean, restaurants have to take sides in the Cola War between Coke and Pepsi. Chick-fil-A is a Coke establishment. The fast food restaurant across the street is a Pepsi establishment. I never have understood why they have to take sides in the Cola War. And uh, the only time I drink anything other than water is if it's a coffee shop, of course, that specializes in coffee, or if I'm in a foreign country that has a special uh, non-alcoholic beverage that's, like in Spain, I tried the horchata. It's like a, a milky, slightly chalky-tasting beverage that has a flavor of, of almonds, things like that. And also in Spain, you have a lot more juice bars, mm-hmm. like the one, like like the one in uh, Santiago de Compostela, right across from my friend's flat. True, uh, you know, juice bars are typically they make the smoothies and give you like the different juice, the like fresh juice from the local farms and all that stuff. So that does feel authentic. It brings a new vibe, and also provide like. Let's say you were thirsty and you pay like, I don't know, three or four dollars for this really good juice. But this really good juice is like sometimes like 18 ounces, something like that, like a big drink. Or is it a small drink? Well, um, 18 ounces is, is pretty big at that uh, juice bar in Spain that, that mm. I was talking about. It definitely isn't a big gulp. <laughs> a big gulp. Yeah, you ain't going to 7-Eleven again. A big gulp. Uh, actually, funny enough, um, another thing of travel is the stop and go places. So, what do you think of like convenience stores, like Wawa and Valero and all that? Well, also, you know that not even that. Just 
also when you go international, convenience stores are everywhere. The sushi, the the pre-made sandwiches, stuff like that. I, I, I hate like, to hey, break your heart, but that's mainly an American thing. You do have you do have some uh, some convenience stores abroad, but it's not as much ingrained in the culture as it is in, in America. Well, I do know that Japan has a lot of uh, convenience stores. They call it convenience stores for because it, it's like a small grocery store. They have some stuff that you want, but you go to them to get like sushi is one thing to get. Are they like on the motorway? Uh... They're like a small grocery store. Okay. Like a, it's like a one-way stop motorway. to get your things. And I'll it's bet... like a Dollar General. Their convenience you... store is like a Dollar General, Dollar Dollar Tree. I bet you that they that that there's a bigger markup at the convenience stores yes, in Japan too. So it didn't. Like a dollar general well, okay. discount. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of times they do like vending machines as well. Like yeah, there are a lot of vending machines in, in Japan because the space, real estate space in, in the cities of Japan like Tokyo and Osaka and all uh, is at a premium. And so there's not might not be enough space to put a restaurant, but uh, some guy, enterprising fellow, could put up a vending machine and uh, make a killing in one day because people are all on the go and everything there. It makes sense in Japan. And, you know, they can put anything. They can put cigarettes. They can put, uh, tent, you know, toiletry, cameras. I've seen phone cords and vending machines. The things you can put in vending machines is very useful and does provide another sector of the food and beverage industry to use as an outlet for fast-to-go food, ready-to-eat, ready-to-drink kind of perspective. The trick with that, though, it, and why you don't see this as much in America is uh, we, we've got uh, health laws. How do you, when you put something in a vending machine, make sure it's uh, fresh or it doesn't, uh, doesn't spoil and, and cause, uh, cause health problems? Yep. That we are, we are more... Uh, we are stricter on our health laws here in, in, in America and that's why you don't see uh, vending machines like this even in New York City and places like that yeah I think the most uh, vending machines that I've seen for like food like not snack wise but food wise rest stops rest stops have like sandwiches you can buy and you can eat the sandwich more than just in the snacks but they're in a specialized vending machine that is refrigerated they they make it refrigerated and you can buy it from there and it gives you the sandwich just like a gas station will well the difference in, in, in this and what you were talking about with japan is uh the the rest stop is uh staffed by people mm. regularly and they can switch out the uh spoiled or expired food where you wouldn't have the uh, health issues that you would in a japan like vending machine situation true you know it's kind of interesting seeing the different perspective of like different cultures establish different food and beverage as a means to get what people want feed them and make them have drinks but also provide a good customer service experience that gives them what they need in return I, I think that's a fair statement and do you feel like you know food and beverage is like vital in the hospitality industry and why absolutely because the human being needs food and drink to uh survive and the need for that doesn't take holiday when you're on holiday true and grocery stores i don't consider grocery stores food and beverage and part of hospitality yes they have customer service but they are a retail establishment so you, you, you're right about that. You go, you go to the store. You buy your uh, your, your chicken and your uh, tomatoes and your canned Brunswick stew. But after you put it in the trolley, it's good luck, fella. And uh, it, it's more of a personal experience when you go to a uh, restaurant or even one of those uh, convenience stores and mm-hmm. get food and you interact with somebody who serves you the food yeah that's the uh that's a human to human experience that i think you're after mm-hmm. absolutely so this is why a little segment on food and beverage 
Now, food and beverage is vital in the industry, but what also is vital is the sector where we have tourism and travel. Travel and tourism go hand in hand because you got to travel to the place to get there. And then the tourism is you as the tourist visiting that location and getting given your money that you saved up for the trip for activities to do in such area. That's a fair statement. Um, for example, you go, let's just take a nearby town, Petersburg. It's mm-hmm. a very historical uh, place. You have to uh, get there by, by some means. And there are quite a lot of historical places and museums in Petersburg, for example, to uh, to, to go see. And, and uh, the, most of them do charge you money to to do that. And same is true in any, in any uh, city or town, big or small. True. And uh, the travel industry is kind of interesting because you have taxi cabs, trains, buses. Uh, airplanes, boats even, you know, ferries and uh, cruises are in that type deal as well. And and, uh, and here domestically, you also have Uber. Well, uh, Uber's like a taxi, you know, it's like a taxi. It, it's it, it's more of a private and, you know, yeah. most taxis are uh, funded by the uh, by the city or municipality that they're well, in. Well, most cities usually have the taxi, po- usually have the public bus transportation that that's true and trains that's true uh in, in certain uh cities in the orient you uh have uh rickshaws that are uh that that are pulled by a human being oh i, I mean, haven't personally been to the orient but i know a lot of people who who live there true that's kind of interesting because when i went to uh Mackinac island Near Mackinac City, the island had a ferry to go over there. So you pay the ticket to go over the ferry. So there was a travel expense for tourism to use the ferry to go to the island. But there was no cars allowed on the island. Oh, that's like Tangier in Virginia. Yeah. And when you go over there, you either walk the entire island or you get horse rides. Uh-huh. So the entire establishment of the island is resorts and activities and stuff like that. Did you know that uh, UPS even has to deliver on a golf cart on that island? Oh, they do? UPS, Amazon, whatever. There's no exceptions to the no car rule except uh, possibly by police and fire. Yeah. Pretty much. Then you have the entire road with, with horses and then bicycles everywhere. The main, that's the main means of transportation. It's either horse, horse carriage, and the horse taxi. Because they, you know, they, they ferry ships to the uh, destination. The horse takes the load, and loads it up to the hotels, and then they bring in your luggage when you get there. Because, you, you know, if you have more than luggage, guess what? You can't take it above. You have to put it down below. And you get, you know, get a ticket, put your name on it, and you get it delivered to your hotel. Mm-hmm. That's very similar to uh, to Tangier Island in, in terms of the uh, local transport on mm. the on, on the island. So you know, bikes everywhere, horses everywhere. So the taxi atmosphere fits because you have the bicycle taxis and then the horse carriages as tourism. But people, you know, even though they're doing the carriages rides as taxis, they're also doing carriages rides around the island. So it's a really big place for tourism and a really busy area in the ports and restaurants also being on the island too. And then you get to resorts, which is a totally different topic, but that's where you need to stay to be there. Right. Um, on Mackinac Island, how many uh, how many hotels are, are there? Too just, many. Just the There's too many to count. Because you can have like five or six major ones, then you have the inns, and you have the small hotels, then you have the resorts. So you have inns, hotels, and resorts all in one island. And not to mention the uh, new uh, phenomenon of Airbnb and Verbo and oh yeah, like Airbnb that. is kind of interesting in that too, and uh, additional places to stay for lodging. Um, so in your international travel, 
what is some of good experiences at the airport and some bad experience at the airport you say at the airport you had to fly to most of these places yeah that's uh, that's very true uh i've had some i've had some pretty good luck at at, at foreign airports but uh one case that that took me back was on leaving quito ecuador they charged a, a 47 us dollar departure tax and they did that at the time because they were in the process of constructing a new airport uh, further outside the city. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's see. You travel to Spain, Ecuador, South America. You travel to Africa? No, I've never been to a- Africa, either uh, either North Africa or subcontinental Africa. You don't be a part of it. Oh, uh, I haven't lost anything over there as of yet. What, you've been over there? No, I have not. I have not. Um, I have no desire or any need to go. Mm, true. South Africa will be bad. Um, when the crime rate go goes down far enough, I, I may re- uh, reconsider that. How about Asia? The only places in Asia I'm keen to go are the Philippines, Singapore, and Thailand. Have you been to any of those places? No. So you've never been to Asia, only been to Europe and South America. I've been to Australia and New Zealand. How's that? How's the airport there? The, the airports in uh, Auckland and Sydney are, are very nice airports. They're very clean, very orderly. I had absolutely no trouble there and, and no trouble finding and catching my flight. Wasn't like at uh, John F. Kennedy where you have nine different terminals each one with several different airlines okay okay public transportation what has been the reputation that you think has been good in your traveling experience well that would depend on on the city some uh, some cities have more reliable uh, public transportation than others for all of new york's faults i think it has a more together uh, public transport system because they've been doing it for a long time. The subway's been working in New York City since about 1904. Uh, Washington Metro has been there since uh, 1976 and it's it together with Metro Bus is a somewhat reliable system. But you have bigger cities like Los Angeles that are spread out, it's hard to have a transportation system. And in Los Angeles, the big challenge is because it's earthquake territory, you don't want to have too many underground uh, subways because there may be a cave in the next uh, 6.0 earthquake that hits. True. About uh, like Europe, for example, what's the transportation like over there? Well, public transportation is more of a thing in Europe because the countries are smaller in terms of geographical size and and, uh, population. And in France, they've got something like the Japanese bullet train called the Très Grande Vitesse or TGV. It's easier to do in a smaller country. France is about the size of Texas in terms of geography, so it's easier to have a nationwide transportation system than it is in a uh, 3.6 million square mile country like the United States of America. Okay, so something like small scale, the infrastructure is easy to build up, give vital citizens transportation, access to that such transportation, while United States is more like city demand, if your city is busy enough, if it will benefit the public more type of projects. So the public projects versus private, where like Europe is mostly just all around the board, basically. That's right. The United States is too big and too diverse a country to make that work. And our infrastructure is already beat up with all the, the highway system, too. So, and another thing, the culture in America that just uh, people are just uh, chained to their cars, and mm-hmm. uh, that's you know, that's uh, you, you can't just take a person's car away from them. I, I don't care what the governor of California says, mm, true, true. How about uh, trains? What's trains like in your experience? 
Well, the trains in Europe are far superior to our Amtrak over here. This I can speak with great authority because both summers I studied abroad in Europe. Nice, France in the summer of 89 and uh, Madrid in the summer of 90. I didn't stay put in those towns at the weekends. I, I went and visited friends in other parts of that country on the weekends and I also uh, spent some time in other parts of Europe after my studies were over. And uh, Europe, European trains get there on time. And a running joke with Amtrak, especially south of DC where we share the uh, trains with the freight companies, is if you get there an hour late, you're early. Hmm. Oh, okay. How about taxis? What do you think about taxis in the foreign affairs? In foreign countries, I think the taxis in Paris and London are a lot cleaner than the ones in New York and Richmond. <laughs> yeah, I do agree with that one. Um, I, I also see like the taxis be like really standardized. Ours is just all over the place. Like they have a set color for particular taxis. We don't have a set color. Well, it used to be in New York, they were all uh, yellow with uh, with a checkered design on them, but uh, the, the taxi industry in, in that city even has uh, diversified. True. Do you feel like Europe is like similar I think it's I think it's more uniform, and we'll just use London and Paris for an example because those are the taxis with which I have the most experience. Yeah. In London, for example, to uh, be licensed to drive one of those black uh, taxis that they have tall roofs so mm -hmm. people with top hats can get in without crushing the hats. That, that's why they're designed that way, true story. Is that the drivers have to take this test about all the streets in London, they call it the knowledge. And it's as hard as a devil to pass and some people some people uh, have to take it five or six times before they get their license. Hmm. So the demand for that test is like, like uh, really up there. Well, it's not so much a supply and demand type of thing. It's uh, it's a difficult test. I mean, people who are born and raised in in London sometimes have trouble uh, passing the knowledge uh, because. Um, because you know it, it's so difficult and they have to take it five or six times and that reminds me of the testing culture of china and korea <laughs> now they've been doing they've the been doing it they've been doing yes. it that way since before china and korea started having taxi cabs yeah true and then about paris paris it's uh it's a little bit it's a little bit less rigid than, than in London, but they do have uh, cleanliness standards in the taxi cab. And they, and although Paris has a reputation of being this rude city, uh, that they also have uh, courtesy standards for their taxi drivers because they want tourists to keep coming back and spending their money, even if it is ugly Americans doing it. <laughs> ugly Americans are doing it. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much... Uh, and when I use the term ugly Americans, I'm talking about Americans who go to a foreign country and expect to have a McDonald's on every corner. True. I mean, I ain't everywhere. I mean, McDonald's is in foreign countries, but they're not. Well, that, that's, that, that's true, but there's some people who who won't try the, the local foods or, or uh, observe the local customs to save their life. That's what I mean. I just tell them to go to the, to the local uh, grocery store and take it with them. Or bakery or something. They can get what they want there. I could I could use some uh, something good from a Paris boulangerie. <laughs> What's your... So you as a tourist, have you... What's your experience been like with tourism? Well, generally when I go to a foreign country, I've been uh, treated with respect, even though Americans don't have a uh, good reputation as, as a whole in a lot of these countries. It helps that I, I can speak Spanish, French, Portuguese, German, and Italian uh, very well, at least well enough to uh, get by in a travel situation. Uh, helps to know the language, and a lot of times, if you respect them, they will respect you back. 
I. So the language that you just said, which one do you think is probably your best language, except English? Spanish, because I get to practice it most often, but I can uh, I can survive a uh, travel situation in any of the others. Well, Portugal is sim- uh, Portuguese is similar to Spanish. I know that. I taught myself Portuguese in, in a week because it was similar to Spanish. Oh, uh, true. And Italian was pretty easy, too, because the same uh, family of languages as all the others except German. I did take some uh, German at, at George Mason University, and my friends over there, they speak English so well, I don't have to use my German too often, but still I can if I have to. How about French? What's French like? French is, is in the Romance uh, language family, Spanish, Portuguese, Italian, and Romanian. Oh, okay. What's probably the furthest you traveled to? Oh, easily Australia. That's no contest there. So Australia's unique. You have the outback. You have different parts of the Sydney. You also have just entire island country. You don't usually have an island country, except England. Well, yeah. um, When I went to Australia, I mainly was in Sydney, and we took a day trip uh, an hour west to the town of uh, Katoomba, where we visited um, we visited a uh, zoo-slash-amusement park, and there's a picture of me somewhere on Facebook uh, holding a koala bear. Oh, okay. So, with the, like, what's tourist attractions? What is vital for a tourist attraction to seek out new customers from a tourist perspective? Well, uh, the tourist attractions need to convey the uniqueness of the uh, of the city, like say Petersburg, uh, because it's rich in uh, revolutionary and uh, Civil War history. The uh, Crater Battlefield, as well as uh, Center Hill Mansion, uh, Blandford Cemetery, and the Siege Museum, are the you know, represent what's unique about uh, Petersburg. Okay. And uh, going further abroad, the Eiffel Tower, the Louvre, the Invalide, uh, and, and the other uh, other tourist attractions ben, in Paris. The, the Big the Ben big, in London. The, the Paris, Paris, Paris Wheel. Well, the the eye in London's a newer thing. Uh, that was that was installed after my last uh, trip to oh. London. You didn't see it. Did you went to, at least? Did you see Big Ben? Yes, I I, I saw Big Ben, and if uh, did you go to the top? No, that that wasn't that they, that wasn't open to tourists. But I did go to the top of the Eiffel Tower. Oh, how about Statue of Liberty? Statue of Liberty. I was. We didn't do that. I was uh, seven years old when I went to uh, New oh, York. Okay, I've seen yeah. it from a distance, though. Okay, okay. How was the Eiffel Tower? Now, how is the Eiffel Tower? It's three times the the size of the one at King's Dominion. So mm. It's almost a thousand feet tall. Oh, okay, okay. So, the uniqueness of tourism attractions should, should apply what it's about should it be a activity that a tourist should enjoy but also stand out from other businesses that are doing the same thing okay i think a when i say uniqueness to the city i mean the eiffel tower is unique to paris i wouldn't want to uh, put anything like that in bangkok okay so the geography also plays a role too uh, well not, not only that but the history of the uh of the city there's nothing in say bangkok in, in that culture or history that would be uh that would make sense to put an eiffel tower there true and one thing i think of tourism one particular location is egypt they had the pyramids they had the geyser you know the Giza, the desert you have there's uniqueness in the culture to go there but also if you go to like south america the Mayan temples, the temples in the jungle, and the that's overall. more Mexico. That's more Mexico than anything else. Yeah. They, uh, the the Aztecs in Mexico had that. The Incas in in Peru, uh, they didn't they didn't have that so much. No, but they did have some temples. 
They yeah, have, it's like deep jungle temples yeah. in the middle of nowhere. And the Incas weren't all just in in the um, in the jungle. The uh, city around uh, Lima, for example, was uh, founded by the Incas before the white man uh, came yeah, in the fifteen hundreds. And uh, another uh, application to tourism is the water. What does boats have to compete to give people satisfaction in that area? Well, again, it depends on the uh, on the geography. A more coastal uh, setting or one near a river, our uh, boats would uh, play more of an integral uh, yeah. role. Yeah, like the beaches is a beaches. common tourism attraction in many aspects because going to the beach is literally part of letting loose and where the water type activities like water skiing, parasailing, all that is applied. Yeah, that, that that's a fair point. Um, I, I was thinking more more about uh, water as a uh, transportation hub, oh, like um, like delivering uh, goods up, up a river or uh, to, yeah, to a seaport and the, everything. Yeah, like, like the Panama Canal and the, the shortcut. From the Atlantic to the Pacific Ocean. That's it. Yeah. In fact, uh, I did an airport stop one time on the way back from Ecuador. We had to stop in uh, Panama City to refuel. Oh, okay. So you stopped in. Ooh, how, Panama City is kind of small, isn't it? I don't know. We were we weren't allowed to deplane, uh, oh, but okay. it was uh, it was very short, uh, very short stop. But I I would be willing to go there in the future sometime just to mm. check it out a little bit. Yeah, true, true. So, you know, now tourist attractions are really good, but with any tourist attraction and tourism and travel, you need the place to stay, the lodging. What is your experience with lodging that is vital for tourism and people travel? Well, I think when you talk about lodging, you uh, most people uh, still stay at a standard hotel, even though the industry has evolved quite a bit uh, over the past few mm-hmm. years. And in any country, the standard for that sort of thing is, I want a comfortable bed, clean room, a bathroom that's in the room instead of having to go down the hall to the bathroom like like we had to do when I went to Paris that first time. We were in a hostel? No, it was, it, it was, a, it was an old school uh, hotel. They had one oh, bathroom okay. per floor. They just do things differently o- over there, particularly in the old style buildings mm-hmm. that, that we were in. Because I know with the Europe, they do a lot of hostels and Airbnbs, really popular kind of thing. Well, the hostels are mainly for young folks uh, mm-hmm. under 26. And I did stay in a youth hostel in Strasbourg. My friend from Germany uh, met me halfway in Strasbourg, France. And I went up to Strasbourg from Nice, where I was studying French that summer. How do hostels just wait for a hotel? Well, it's more uh, youth-oriented, and they have like a, a game room where you could play table tennis and, uh, and and watch TV. It's more more like a summer camp environment, if you will, than than uh, a Holiday Inn. True. Uh, you know, as we mentioned before, Airbnb has really transformed any place to be a destination staying lodging i think that's been revolutionary in the fact that now someone's home now that they are a host they're taking procedures to make accommodations for guests to stay there i've never tried that um generally speaking when i when i travel to a particular destination i happen to have a friend who lives in that town and uh they would skin me alive if i didn't stay with them so i haven't had too much experience with well, not everyone has so many friends like you obviously like, I, I, I was just born lucky i guess but <laughs> i'm just telling you my personal experience and why i'm a little bit lacking in this category well okay my experience with airbnb is not bad you you know you of course you research the host you have like different classes like the super host regular host stuff like that the super host 
go beyond above and beyond to accommodate the guests that have to stay in the house. Now, it is like a personal safety issue on some aspects. If you, you know, yes, the host is, you know, you, they get background check, but the person that doesn't get background check is the guest. But, you know, that applies to anywhere when anyone's staying anywhere. Yeah, I, I would hate to have Holiday Inn run a background check. I mean, I, I would pass it, but I just don't like the idea yeah. of being all checked out because this ain't China. Well, uh, okay, well, the host, just like taxi drivers, have to stay within a credibility standard to be able to give the service. So, you know, there's a refund policy that Airbnb has that you can go and claim a refund it's and then the host complies with what their standards for the refund policy and you put it together not all the time there's airbnb is you airbnb is everywhere europe has it like i feel like airbnb is more popular in europe than america because america's not really taken off as much yes people still only money from it because of the tourism you get some of the percentage in the hotels, but it's the bigger thing in Europe because now hotels in Europe are really expensive. They always have been. And I don't think the hotels in, in Europe are quite as good as the ones we have over here. Yeah, American hotels, you know, if you get to like really like maybe a three stars when you actually start hitting the good places two stars not bad like super eight and i've, I've like actually stayed in, in hotels in europe because the first two times i went to europe i was doing those uh whirlwind group tours and mm-hmm. i stayed in some good hotels and i stayed in some shabby hotels true what does a hotel have to give to the guests what what do they have to ensure in order you know, beyond the room situation, what like other things like amenities or discounted tickets or attractions? I don't really think it's a hotel's responsibility to uh, give people discount uh, tickets to the Eiffel Tower if you're yeah. in Paris or something like that. Hotel's responsibility is mainly to uh, give the guests a safe and clean place to mm-hmm. stay, and sometimes, sometimes uh, offer. Free breakfast is a gimmick to get them to uh, to stay there. Uh, I know uh, Comfort Inn, at least it, at least when I stayed there on the morning of September 11th, 01, they had that that whole uh, that whole breakfast buffet that morning. Well, and, they did. Yep, and uh, hotels can have can have various uh, food gimmicks like that, or some hotels ha- had a full on uh, restaurant like the uh, Howard Johnson's chain did at one time. Oh, so like full on restaurants in the establishment at the hotel itself. Yes, Howard Johnson's always had a uh, a restaurant, and they also had twenty eight flavors of ice cream to boot. <laughs> well, that's good. Unfortunately, the restaurant is no longer in business because mm-hmm. it doesn't fit today's uh, evolving norms, True. and that's a shame because it was a very, very nice uh, place to to stay. And uh, both times we took road trips down to Disney World when I was a kid, we always stayed at Howard Johnson's mm-hmm. in uh, Savannah, Georgia, on the way down. Uh, the first time, the second time, Tifton, Georgia, on the way down in Greenville, South Carolina, on the way back. Okay. Now, let's see. Amenities. The pool, the towel, the gym room, the, fit, the business center. Is that usually applied to Europe as well, or they have less? The hotels I stayed at in Europe didn't have a whole lot of amenities apart from the room. Uh, some hotels like Tour Hotel in Munich had, had a restaurant downstairs. Uh, but as far as gym and uh, and pool and, and things like that, not as much. How about business centers? Are they 
Are they more like the network cafes? The hotels that I stayed at were more uh, geared towards the uh, the the leisure traveler rather mm. than the business traveler. But of course, since those uh, whirlwind group tours I took in the '80s, I, that might have evolved somewhat since then. Mm, okay. So, do you feel like let's just talk about this? The penthouse suites and hotels those can get really expensive. Well, in the snooty uh, New York City places that I've heard of, uh, that that's true, but none of the hotels I've ever stayed at had a penthouse. Oh, so only certain big hotels have penthouses. Certain big hotels have penthouse. Um, but, you know, you wouldn't catch a penthouse at the uh, Holiday Inn down the mm. street in Mechanicsville or at the uh, Comfort Inn in the West End. You you might uh, get something like that at the Hotel Jefferson in downtown uh, Richmond, yeah. but uh, but yeah, your your swankier hotels will have the uh, the penthouse suite. But if you if you got all that money to stay in a penthouse suite, you're sure not going to be staying at a Holiday Inn. True, true. And also with that characteristic, you also have different amenities that hotels can give to attract people like what does what is it a unique hotel that you stayed at that you felt like was kind of cool kind of cool um i would say the whole the hotels that offer uh free breakfast uh like mm. the comfort inn that i stayed at in salem virginia mm. on uh, september 11th 01 uh, gimmicks like that um, attracts price conscious tourists or, or business people. Okay. Now, let's say the hotel went out the way to collect brochures. What do you feel like that is an acceptable expense for the hotel to at least have a little area where you can go see different brochures and go visit the areas nearby. Oh yeah, I think uh, I think that's very helpful to the tourists and the tourists appreciate that. But uh, what I said earlier, that's not the hotel's responsibility to offer uh, yeah. discount or free tickets to uh, local attraction. That still stands. Those brochures, uh, a lot of times the uh, the local chamber of commerce or board of tourism gives them to the hotels uh free because they want all the uh exposure they can get how about a shuttle type service from the airport to the hotel usually larger hotels have this well uh, especially those hotels that are right next to the airport so that that's a very helpful amenity like this uh for example i was uh day late leaving out of Kennedy on the way to Madrid due to a uh, weather delay and they put us at the uh, Garden Hilton near the JFK airport but it was far enough away you couldn't walk to it so the shuttle was very helpful. Okay so having type some hotels having a shuttle service can be beneficial and how you can navigate that. Yeah if it's uh, if it's near an airport or near a specific attraction, the shuttle would uh, be worth the uh, hotel's while to uh, maintain. Okay. Okay. Now, you know, with hotels, you have places to stay. And here, the tours attractors, there's another activity to do. But another freeform activity that also does a lot, influence a lot of traveling is recreation. You go for recreation and travel for a specific purpose while doing it. Well, recreation is ba basically anything where you break a where you uh, break a sweat, and uh, that could be a day at the beach. It could be rock climbing. It could be water skiing. Let's say you have a hotel in uh, Clarksville, Virginia, along mm -hmm. uh, Bugs Island Lake. Recreation uh, would uh, fit in uh, with that um, with that establishment too. Okay. In Okanichi State Park, right there in uh, Clarksville. Oh, all right. So, like, having different areas for tourism to visit that's not a, just say attraction, but more like a, you know, Central Park, New York is one example. Mm -hmm. 
we have the Paris. Well, not really. The you Paris. you have more a, parks in Paris than you yeah. can shake a stick at. Same oh, yeah. in Madrid. You know, Vevo's sort of a, is a good recreational activity, you know, for swimming and rowing. Yeah, you know, there's different things to do with it. I feel like the recreation industry is kind of interesting because you got the rock climbing, you got the desert walking, you have the beachfront, you have the the various lake apparition, uh, even uh, farms can be a good attraction too for recreation. Because you can go walking around, going tours and stuff. Especially uh, wineries. Oh yeah, wineries are definitely getting you there. Uh, you can taste the wine going like you know. Yeah, you do a fair amount of walking, uh, touring around a winery. There's no short, there's no short hike on on Bose. I, True. I know that much because a friend of mine I met in Madrid, their parents owned a uh, his parents owned a winery in Napa, California. Oh, okay. How's the wine there? I only cook with wine. I don't, I, I don't imbibe myself. So when you cook it, does it smell good? Yeah, it smells very good, and uh, the red wine that, that, that I had from there uh, went real well with the uh, with the beef that I was cooking at the time. So do you feel like recreation is an area that people don't do enough of, or is, is, it, is it increasing? Well, I think that uh, I think Americans have this reputation of being uh, lazy and fat, but at the same time, people... Younger people are more uh, health conscious, and, and they get into recreation a lot more than, say, people my age ever did. Oh, that's good. And what you, what's your opinion about the recreation in other countries? I think other countries like Switzerland have been doing it a lot longer than we have and, have, and still do it better. All right. Have you done any recreation in, in your trips? Oh, oh. yeah. Uh, when I went... To uh, Nashwenstein, that's one of King Ludwig's castles in uh, Bavaria. You had to do recreation just to get up the hill to get into that castle. Mm, okay. I mean, we're talk we're talking some serious hills that would make uh, San Francisco blush. But I mm. had no problem then. I was 17 years old, and at that time, and a tour guide me. We're just uh, steadily walking up the hill, and everybody else in the group was at least a hundred yards behind us. <laughs> and so, yeah, some places where you go to, like Nashwenstein in Germany, if you go to Peru, way up in the Andes Mountains, there's this Incan uh, settlement called Machu Picchu. No, oh, that's boy. way up yep, in Machu the, Picchu. That's way up in the. Uh, in the mountains there you have to uh, break a sweat to get there true you know recreation is kind of interesting because it's rock climbing you have walking mm-hmm. uh, you have different parks you can visit you have the, the, the nature scenes like canoeing right or rafting uh, rowing rowing is another example you also have Bicycling, like in the, the bicycle roads. Now, in some towns, you like Amsterdam, for example, they will rent you a bike by the day, and uh, you can just uh, tool around town all mm-hmm. you want to, just uh, obey the local traffic laws yeah. on, on the bike. Then, you know, America's also big because we have like the big Appalachian Trail, bike trail, and different like things you can do tour wise that actually makes it easier because I know uh, I had a friend who did a I think Madrid tour and they were touring around and when they were doing they were doing a marathon and they stayed at various spots along the way in Madrid in Spain as a whole and actually made an entire journey of like different stops and people offered like how you know accommodations for lodging and all this other stuff very interesting. I, I did spend the summer in Madrid, Spain, in mm-hmm. uh, 1990, study abroad program. And I found the city very interesting and uh, historical, and I would very much like to go back someday. What's the longest you've been in one area when you visited? Well, I would say, again, during the study abroad programs, I spent a lot of time in, in Nice and Madrid. Of course, I would go away from those towns at the weekend, but... 
during the weekday, I would have class until about noon. And then after class, I would go about the city, talk to the locals in either French or Spanish, and uh, just tour the place, get to know the place, think like a local, if you will. That was, um, I think I got more out of those two trips than I got out of my rest of my time at George Mason University. Yeah, and one thing that people don't understand, some of these areas rely on tourism for the main source of revenue for the area. Because since they're unique as a tourist spot, they can bank on different money coming in during the tourist season to make up for maybe the slow part like winter, when it's not as busy. Well, locally, uh, Tangier Island is a prime example of that. The ferry stops running in, in mid-October, right about now. And uh, the money they make from the summer has to uh, carry them through to uh, April when the next uh, ferries uh, come over from Reedville. Yeah, true. And But in the Caribbean islands, some entire nations uh, depend on the uh, on the tourist industry. Yeah, to, uh, Egypt is one as well. Well, yeah, I, I would say that the, uh, that the cities around the pyramids more than the whole country. I'm talking about little island nations yeah. in the Caribbean, such as Aruba, Bonaire, and uh, Curaçao depend fully on the tourist industry and one bad hurricane could uh could could turn the whole area into a depression for quite a number of years until uh, the mm. tourist infrastructure is rebuilt yeah you know, national disasters in smaller areas is a bigger impact because the main source of revenue from the tourists can't come because the damage in the infrastructure to restore it it's taking longer than the actual tour season coming in. That, that, that's exactly right, and that's why they. Uh, that's why many of those nations, when that happens to them, they have their hand out to the United States and to uh, Europe for foreign aid. True. So, in this discussion, do you feel like in your traveling, you encountered good people, bad people in the middle? I would say uh, ninety-five to ninety-seven percent good i have run into some jerks in which case i would give as well as i got in their own language mm. and uh that they knew they weren't just uh messing with some naive american who didn't understand what they were saying so what was the example of that they said something bad and you said my something bad. first my first trip to paris we were on our on a long bus ride from Lucerne, Switzerland into Paris and we stopped off at this uh, truck stop about midway between the two towns. Mm -hmm. And I ordered a hamburger and fries and it's one of the McDonald's type of thing. This was a French-owned truck stop. And this, and, and this chef who who's so fat he probably bled gravy mm. uh he he put green beans on on my plate and i ordered in plain french french fries and i told him that and he get and he put fries on my plate but when he did he gave me the dirtiest look and i gave one right back at him mm. So what's the misunderstanding? You didn't want french fries? No, I did want french fries. The, the fool put green beans on it. What's wrong with green beans? I went, I ordered french fries. I think the customer ought to get what, ought to get, ought to get what they want. And the French word for french fries is no way similar to that for green beans. Maybe. And he, he thought he could put he could put one over on me because I was a 16 year old American, but I wasn't having none of it. <laughs> and I would say to all y'all out there, uh, the the customer is always right, no matter what country you're in, and uh, you stand up for your rights. Yeah, you hear it. So this is a little bit into the hospitality industry, how it is vital, not experience with traveling abroad and locally in region in the United States as well. If you like his testimony and overall experience, where can they find you on social media, Pacific, like, like name it out and stuff? Well, I'm on uh, Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash small town southern man. And uh, on 
on uh, Twitter and on Truth Social. I'm at Wreck of Old 97. And uh, as this episode comes to a close, I thank Nat for his experience in traveling and his overall diverse menu of what he has to offer. We talked about the food and beverage industries, the travel and tourism, the lodging experience, the recreation. So those are the four basic concepts. I think he explained them really great. From different perspectives of each industry and hospitality provides what the customer is getting you go to the country you want accommodations whatever you do whether it's travel tourist attractions or recreation diet fine dining or drinking you want to have the things you want in order that you expect kind of similar not the same but similar experience to take forward in your travels what do you think i think that's a fair statement i i would encourage the the folks out there if they gonna uh, spend all that money go to a foreign country to try the local food and to interact with the locals as much as as possible and you'd be surprised if you don't know another language so sometimes the locals actually know a good bit of english just if you are English speaking, typically something like Europe and stuff, learn English as like a second language kind of thing. So they so can mostly deal with the most of English speaking tourists. Now, those are the tourists from other areas, but keep in mind, because we're, you know, my podcast is English, have English as a, now not all the time like Quebec and stuff like that where they only speak French you cannot get away with it so don't go to Quebec where French is mainly dominated and they don't want they refuse to speak in English I've never heard of that happening with uh, friends of mine who have been to uh, Quebec usually uh, it's either English or French it's either one of the two but they're not going to speak both they're going to speak one well, I, I wouldn't have any problem either way since I'm fluent. Yeah, I know, I know. I can't be like you, knowing all these different languages well, and not, and not even compare. compare generally, like generally, if you if you have a if you have a doubt, I would probably stick to the uh, to the touristy areas or or hire a guide that's uh, fluent in French if you're in uh, in Quebec City. To uh, take you into those uh, French-speaking areas that would assist you in uh, speaking the locals, speaking to the locals. That's that. That's the uh, go around for that. Yeah, and that would apply anywhere in the world. Like say you go to uh, Bangkok, and I don't. I don't speak Thai either. I would do this for myself. Uh, it's like an old school part of Bangkok. I would uh, hire a. Uh, a a Thai tour guide for the day and uh, we would tour around that, that part of town. Yeah, true. And he would take you, maybe the tour guide would take you around like he, they do with the, uh, they ride around with the humans. The human will you take you You're talking about the rickshaw. Yeah, yeah. That, that's more, that's uh, more prevalent <laughs> in, uh, in Hong Kong. But the, and, does and the tour guide have to do everything for you though? Huh? Does the tour guide have to speak and walk you to the places you want? I don't think the tour guide uh, would actually pull the uh, rickshaw in, the, in, in those towns. <laughs> uh, but I, I was on, on a whirlwind group tour in Tahiti where the uh, tour guide drove the bus too because oh, he okay. uh, it, because he, he felt like it was easier for him to just drive the bus and t- take us to where he wanted us to see rather than to tell uh, some bus driver that he hired for the day to do that would make sense to do on a small island like uh tahiti all right folks you hear it from nate he provides good experience he's traveled a lot i have not traveled as much i should probably travel as more but that probably that'd be to be planned to be continued for another topic maybe one of these days you and i take uh, take a uh, foreign trip together (laughs) all right that hard you know that all right guys as this episode comes to a close, you can go to the podcast where you do podcast near you. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Heart Music, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. 
Also, visit us at www.mcanimepodcast.com where you see the live update to the podcast, what we do, and everything in between. Join us on the Patreon community where you can give support and funding to the podcast itself. Plus, you can get original content. You have polls. You can contribute ideas to the podcast episodes, cover art design, special guest appearance like Nat here, and others to be continued. All right, guys. Bye and have a nice day. And uh, Nat, thanks for being here. You're well. I enjoyed it. All right, bye, guys.